Well, I always uh, really enjoy the opportunity to be able to bring God's Word to you tonight, so I'm looking forward to this. We looked at the first um, part of this verse in our Sunday school. We're just about to finish up Romans in our Sunday school class with our student ministry, and we're going to start tonight in Romans chapter 15, and if you would look there with me in verse 1, the scripture here says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. And then if you'd skip down to verse 13, the scripture says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to God in prayer and ask for His help tonight. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, read your word and hear it tonight. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be encouraged uh, from seeing more about who you are. And uh, Lord, I acknowledge my need upon you. I pray for your help tonight to communicate this. And uh, thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of this church. And I pray for our pastor that you continue to lay on his heart the vision and direction that you want for this place going into this next up, this upcoming year. And we'll thank you for that, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight, we're going to see that God is the God of patience, consolation, and the God of hope. Uh, the context of this passage is um, this part of the book of Romans is a very practical uh, part of the book. Through the first half, Paul's laying a lot of foundational things, a lot of doctrinal things. And then he hit Romans 12 and he really shifts gears. The Holy Spirit uh, begins to just show us as believers how all of this doctrine practically plays out in our lives. And so tonight we're going to see that as we learn the scriptures and as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit... We will have patience and comfort and hope. Those are things that God, being the God of patience and consolation and hope, is going to uh, give us and help us to live out in our lives. So first of all, let's look at this. Uh, the first thing is that the scripture says that God is the God of patience. If you would look in verse 5, he says, Now the God of patience. The God of patience. This word patience, um, it's the suffering of afflictions. Pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. You see, in and of ourselves, many times we're able to bear things or endure things in our flesh, but we don't have a very good attitude about it, right? And uh, I know somebody in here is tonight thinking, oh man, not another sermon on patience. Let's hurry up and get this one over with. <laughs> you know, uh, patience, it's being able to endure that pain and affliction and things that come at us, the trouble and tribulation, without getting your feathers ruffled, so to speak, as we would say in our language. Um, but here we're going to see a, a couple of scriptural instances in which God's patience is exhibited. Uh, the first one is God's patience is exhibited by His endurance of reproach. God is endures reproach. Look at this in our text in verse 3. The scripture says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. 
Turn with me, in your, or if you would, hold your place here in Romans, and look at Psalm 22. And as you're turning there, how often do you hear God being reproached? You know, just recently with the uh, Connecticut shooting, you have people that say, well, where is God? And, and God begins to get blamed and reproached for man's evil actions. And we're going to see here that Christ, our Savior, says the reproaches of them that reproached God, He says, put it all on me. I am going to take that all and the reproaches of people that have cursed God through all time and continue to blaspheme His name. Christ says, that reproach fell on me. Psalm 22 here, He says, and we know that this is quoted as He hangs on the cross and it says, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why art Thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. See, the scripture there says that he was a reproach of men. Verse 7, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. You see the reproach that came to Christ? Well, if God can deliver anybody, if God can, can't God deliver His own Son? And all of this reproach and blasphemy that came to God, Christ says, I took that all on me. And when Christ died on the cross, He paid for all of that sin of man as they reproached God. So God is patient and has exhibited that in His endurance of reproach. But also God has exhibited and shown His patience in the long-suffering of evil. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And this is a familiar verse to us when we think about our soul winning and not giving up on people, uh, continuing to give them the gospel. When you think about patience, long-suffering is a synonym of patience. Long-suffering is a synonym of patience. So, Josh, that just means those words, they're alike. They're kind of similar. All right, yeah. um, some of the girls back there are thinking that's something they put in a recipe, the cinnamon and cinnamon. Um, God's patience is exhibited in His long-suffering of evil. 2 Peter chapter 3 Verse 8 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. See, some of you are thinking, well, that's why it's so easy for God to be patient. It's all the same to Him. <laughs> you know, if, if time was all the same to me, I'd be patient too. You know, it's, it's amazing, our God, how He is outside of time, the eternal Creator. Verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, just recently we got to see that God was not on the mind calendar time. He did not really care what was on the front of the calendar, what was on the back of the calendar. He's got his own calendar. And he says, I'm not slack. I'm not late. I'm not running on Brynick time. I will be there. He is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, Isaac Backus, you guys have heard Pastor uh, talk about this, this great Baptist preacher of, of old. 
Isaac Bacchus wrote this. He said, Man had no sooner revolted from the authority of heaven than the beauty and order of his family was broken down. He turns accuser against the wife of his bosom. His first son murders the next and then lies to his maker to conceal it. And things proceeded from bad to worse till all flesh corrupted his way and the earth was filled with violence so that they could no longer be born with. But by a just vengeance were all swept away. Only one family. Yet all this did not remove the dreadful distemper from man's nature. For the great ruler of the universe directly after the flood gave this as one reason why he would not bring such another while the earth remains. Namely, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, so that if he was to drown them as often as they deserved it, one deluge must follow another continually. This world deserves to be flooded the way that God flooded it in the days of Noah every day. But God says, I'm a God of patience and I'll give them more time to call on my name, to stop blaspheming, to repent of their reproach and trust in me as their savior. That's the God that we have. He's a God of patience. And then God's patience is exemplified not only um, in his endurance of reproach and his long suffering, but it's exemplified and shown in his people. You know, Job was a believer in God. And look at uh, James chapter 5, and let's see what the Scripture says about the patience that Job had as he trusted in in the Lord. James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 10, the Scripture here says, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Say, man, I'm witnessing to people at work and uh, they just laugh at me or they think I'm kooky and I just try and tell them the gospel and they think it's so weird. And, you know, Jeremiah, when he gave the word, they threw him in prison. They took the word of God that he had written down and and, uh, King, I think it was Jehudi, threw it, cut it up with a penknife and threw it into a fire. Those prophets are suffering examples for us. And Jeremiah bore that with patience. Amazing. Then he says in verse 11, uh, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You know, it's ama- it, it, Aren't you glad that God did not stop writing the book of Job after about Job chapter 5? And some of you, that's where you're at in your life right now. You're at Job chapter 6. And you're going, God, I don't know, what, what's this? But I love this phrase. And you have seen the end of Job? No, you have seen the end of the Lord. Pastor spoke about it this morning. You know what the end of the Lord is? To make you like His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and in Job's life, he didn't understand it. And we see at the very end, we see the end of the Lord, the end of what God is going to do and can do in our lives. And that should help us to be patient people Amen. and bear uh, afflictions without that unruffled temper, as the, the definition says. So God's patience is seen here in His people. Um, Spur, uh, give me two quotes from uh, Charles Spurgeon here. He said, "Ye may not have to sit among the ashes as Job did, or to endure such trials as fell upon him. But between here and heaven, you may expect to have losses and crosses and bereavements and harsh words from those who ought to be your comforters. O beloved, may you have at such times the patience of the Scriptures and be able to say with Job, 
The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he says this, If you want to kill impatience, turn to the Word of God. Look out an appropriate text. Ask to have it applied to your heart by the Holy Spirit. And see whether the grace of patience is not thus implanted within you. You know, that flows so much with what our text says. If you will, uh, look with me again at Romans chapter 15. He he has just said in verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. And we know that's not talking about, you know, that's not the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's the Word of God. He's saying these things that God wrote for us. In John, we know the Scripture says that if God had told us everything that He could have, the, the whole world couldn't contain all that. So you and I have exactly what God wants us to know in this book. And He says that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You know what's going to help you to have patience? What's going to, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, what's going to kill that impatience is you and I learning the Scriptures and seeing what God has done in the lives of people that trusted in Him. And it'll help us to be patient people. So not only is God the God of patience, but in uh, verse 5, He says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded. Consolation. Um, you know, you always think about the consolation prize. I love the saying, Second place is first loser. <laughs> Consolation. That means you're the loser, all right? Now, we just had this fantasy football going on, this fantasy football league in the church, and uh, if Nathaniel Tennant didn't have it rigged, I would have done better. But of the three or four seasons we've been doing fantasy football, this is the worst year that I've ever had. I took like a Josh Ferrier pill or something. I don't know. He's, he's been terrible the first couple of years. I'll never forget the first year he walks into our fantasy football draft and he didn't realize you're supposed to draft based upon the ability of individual players. You want to draft good players and let other people draft bad players. Right, Anthony? That's usually how that works. So he comes in there and starts drafting all these guys that are Browns players. And we're all going, Hey, when is it Josh's turn next? <laughs> you know, I need a good pick. So, but that all came around. And Josh, you ended up finishing top three or four, didn't you? Yeah, second place is first loser. Um, so to console is what I'm not doing with Josh right now. Console means to comfort, to cheer the mind in distress or depression, to alleviate grief and give refreshment to the mind or spirits. You and I have a God, the scripture says, who is the God of consolation. And we could go person after person, account after account through the scriptures and see people that God comforted. But I want you to look at this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter three, uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I mean, uh, my fantasy football team was so bad this year, Pastor Alter was beating me. That is, it was rough. He's going, duh, Bears. Maybe. I need to remember to draft the Bears defense next next year. They they get you as many points as a quarterback does. And I'm just saying, Anthony, how do I draft Drew Brees? How do you draft Drew Brees and still end up 11th place out of 12? I, I don't get it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the scripture says, do, uh, look at verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Uh, I'm not in the Second Corinthians chapter 1. Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, 
who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Notice he, he doesn't deliver you from it all the time, but God is able to comfort you in that tribulation, in that situation. He's able to comforteth us in all our tribulation. Here's the purpose that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. For whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. How many times in our lives does God allow suffering so we turn to Him and, and find our comfort in the Scriptures and in who He is as God? And then He wants us to take that consolation, that comfort wherewith we were comforted, and share that with somebody else. And say, you know, man, I know you're going through this. And, and look, this is something that when I was going through that, that God spoke to my heart about from this verse. Let me show you the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. So not only is God the... Uh, uh, let me give you this too. The scripture in, in, in Romans there says that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And I know pastors identified this before. First Thessalonians 14 says, then speaking of the rapture, he, he's wrapping up the teaching of that. And then he says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And how many times have you been in a situation or at a funeral where when you look at what's going to happen at the rapture, it brings joy. Right. And you say, man, we're going to be reunited. And uh, I'm kind of bummed I'm not going to get there before my grandfather because I'm not going to go before him, but we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know, think about this, the scriptures that bring comfort. Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. How many times do you hear that and you're going... That's so awesome, because what I've got down here, if this was it, shoot me now. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I was thinking about that today. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, there's going to be so much room in heaven, you're going to have your own little section, and you might see me every once in a while. He says, that where I am, there ye may be also. How many believers are there? But you know, you are going to be able to be with the Lord. You individually. Patrick Kennedy, you're going to be with the Lord. Charlie Mast is going to be with the Lord. Frankie Enyar is going to be with the Word. We will be with the Lord. Not in a little section of heaven where we don't get to see Him. He says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. You go through Scripture after Scripture and... and and the Holy Spirit does that for us, doesn't He? He brings these things to our remembrance that we might be comforted. If you would look back with uh, me at, at our text here, Romans chapter 15. Now the verse, uh, Romans 15, verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. 
And I love it, you know, that, that discipleship verse, that we would all speak the same thing, uh, be this, of the same mind, be of one accord. And as you and I are in agreement according to Jesus Christ, God is going to grant us to have fellowship and be like-minded. He says in verse 6, "...that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." So as we, as we are like-minded one toward another and fellowshipping over who Jesus Christ is according to Christ, you and I are going to be able to, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God Amen. and bring glory to Him. And then he says in verse number 7, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So I want you to think about this. I ought to receive I ought to receive Dan Nicholson as Christ has received Dan Nicholson. I ought to receive Wade New as Christ received Wade New. Have you ever met a believer that you thought they're just not really far along enough the spiritual scale for me to really, you know, spend much time with them. You know, if only they would come up to where I am. How did Jesus Christ receive you as a wicked sinner that was bound for an eternal Christless hell? And you and I deserved every ounce of that. But Christ received us to the glory of God the Father. What believer, what brother in Christ are you not receiving? We ought to receive one another. As Christ received us. It's not like, oh, well, when he gets to this certain cool personality scale, then I'll receive him. Or when he hits a certain growth in spiritual walk, you know, you wouldn't be able to pastor too many people. <laughs> we ought to receive one another as Christ received us. That's what the God of patience has done. That's what the God of consolation has done. But then notice this lastly, verse 13. And... Uh, pastor preached this verse, I think it was 2003, he was going through this and, and uh, preached a tremendous uh, message on this, but verse 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That verse is so loaded, we're just going to skim the surface tonight. Um, biblical hope, the God of hope, biblical hope is the expectation that what God has said it will come to pass. What God has said, He will do. This hope, our, in, when you hear hope as an American, you think wish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I can win the lottery. You know, I, I hope that I can marry a girl that's really pretty. Right? I, it's this wish, I hope. Look at Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 24 with me. Uh, scriptural here, definition of hope. Romans 8.24, For we are saved by hope. Are you saved by wishing? Oh, I wish to be saved. I, I wish I could go to heaven. Is it, We're saved by hope. It's a faith that what God has said, He will accomplish. It's believing. Uh, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. You see, if you've seen it already, it's not hope. It's not faith. You've already got it. So hope is a belief that what God has said is going to happen. It will happen. 
For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So we have hope, we have faith in, in the Word of God. Uh, a couple people that had hope of the resurrection. You know, Job had hope. He says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. That guy had some hope. That is a very confident statement that he will, with his eyes, see his Savior, the Lord. David had a hope. He said, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. The Scripture says that you and I, we know that when Christ comes, we shall see Him, for we shall behold Him, and we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. David had that hope in the Old Testament. said, When I awake, I will be satisfied with His likeness. That's a biblical hope of the resurrection. Then Martha had a hope. said, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother Lazarus shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She had hope. But look what, listen to what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Say, Martha, you know what your hope is in? It's in me. I'm standing right here. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the Savior. Amen. They had a biblical hope of the resurrection. And man, you know, don't, it's just cool being a pre-trib Baptist, right? You, you just know you're going up out of here. But what about this? These all had hope in the resurrection. But what about me? Do I have hope that what God has said about the way I ought to love my wife and the way I ought to raise my children do I have hope that that is as sure as me getting raptured out of here? Do I have hope that if I will stand for Christ, that someday I'll be able to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do I have hope that the other promises that God has made are just as real as the resurrection and the rapture in my salvation? Do, I, do we have hope? Do we have faith in the Word of God that God will accomplish what He has promised? In Romans 15, He says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. As you and I believe the Word of God, we will be filled with joy and peace. Amen. So that tells me the times that I'm not filled with joy and I'm not filled with peace, I'm not trusting Him. I'm not believing in the God of hope. Part of this, you know, in our American, in our culture, for somebody to boldly, confidently, unashamedly believe the truth, which is by nature, when I believe the truth, that is going to be exclusive of error, you're looked at like a bigot. Don't let the world steal your hope. John In First John he says, um, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may have e- that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. But here's how, you, after, as, as we're witnessing in this world, you're going to have to remember how people hear what we just said. You're going to say, well, I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven because God has said, I've written this to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You are going to say that witnessing to somebody, and here's what somebody is going to say, because this is what they hear. Well, you're the only one going to heaven? 
it's somewhere in their brain that gets that message gets crossed because our again our culture is being programmed to not be confident in God's word. So as you're confident in it, they're going to hear stuff that you didn't say. I didn't say I was the only one. What I was trying to say is you can know too. It's amazing that you may know that you have eternal life. Don't let this world steal your hope because they don't believe this book. The God of hope, the God of consolation, and the God of patience. So let me ask you tonight, are you relying on the Spirit to help you bear suffering with an unruffled temper? Are you relying on the Scriptures to comfort your heart? And is your hope in what God has said and in, and in God? David says in Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and thank you, God, for being...